Okay, good. Well, thank you for taking the time to share a little bit of your uh, experience um, in the nightclub industry in a very unique way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe what we can you? start with you uh, explaining a little bit about your background and how you got into the business you did for many years. Yes. Um, you want to start when I moved here to Hawaii? Sure. Well, wait, let's see. Now, you're you're living in Hawaii now, um, but, yeah, why don't we start with you uh, coming here and how you ended up landing this uh, interesting business. And let me just tell our listeners that you had a nightclub um, entertainment or just waiters, of male naked waiters serving women in Hawaii during this era. Is <laughs> well, that, that right? was the... That was the most notorious thing, yes. <laughs> well, let's focus on that one. Let's get to the most uh, interesting and titillating aspects. I know you were also a very accomplished um, businessman, entrepreneur, and bringing off over shows from all over the place. But yes. I would be interested in the uh, male, the male waiters. So, yeah, please tell us a little bit about how that all started. Well, uh, the naked waiters um, was a. Uh, it started really by an accident. Um, at the time, I was doing what they call a businessman's lunch at the Dune Supper Club. It was a, uh, a supper club out by the airport on Emmett's Highway. It was called the Dunes, and we used to play uh, stars from Las Vegas, like Sammy Davis, Pearl Bailey, Wayne Newton, all the name stars. And um, at lunchtime, it became a businessman's hangout, uh, especially from the Pearl Harbor, uh, Hickam Air Force Base, and Schofield. The uh, officers loved the lunch at the dunes. Mm. And we feature female models, and at that time, topless was very popular, so the businessmen lunch featured ten topless waitresses, which made it very interesting. And the audience was all men, but many mm -hmm. times the men would bring their secretaries because it was lunch hour, and they'd just come on over with the secretaries. And one day, uh, these two secretaries said, Jack Sion, we're so tired of coming here to and looking at these topless waitresses and the strippers that you have on the stage, why don't you put a naked man on the stage just for us girls? And so we all laughed about it, and I thought it was quite funny, and I said, uh, okay, I'll tell you what, girls, I'll put a naked man on the stage if you make a reservation for 50 girls. I thought that was a good number to start with. And so they said, oh, yes, okay, we'll call you. So a couple of weeks later, they called and said, Mr. Sion, we have 50 girls for lunch, and we want it the first Friday in January. What year was and, this? Uh, this was 1973. Okay. And I said, okay, I got you down first Friday in January 1973. <laughs> I made their and, reservation. Okay. Yes. 
And what type and, of ladies were at this uh, first new surprise show? Well, these two gals were just real local women, local secretaries, very nice. Were they and, Asians? Uh, were they local Hawaiians? What, uh, yeah, yeah, they were. Um, one was uh, Chinese and the other one was Holly. And okay. one was, they were officer secretaries from Aikam. Right. I see, I see. Okay. So, um, comes January the 3rd, and um, on um, Wednesday, it, uh, they called me and said, now we have 50, so we'll be there. Are you sure we get all the front tables? I said, yes, dear, we'll save them all for you. Well, <laughs> Thursday the phone was ringing off the hook. The word got around that I was going to have a naked man on stage, and women were just calling like crazy. So I thought, well, I've got to find a man now. But Friday, <laughs> <laughs> Friday came, and we had about 300 reservations, all women from the... 300? Yes, 300. And so... Okay. Where do you find a naked man in 1973? Today it's easy because there's male strippers all over the place. But in 73, mm-hmm. you never heard of a male striptease dancer. So right. I happen to have a beach house in Haleiwa. And mm-hmm. I had said, I had seven um, young Haole men living in that beach house. And they all they did was surf all day. Of course. And, so, and they were behind on the rent. They didn't work. So I uh-huh. called them, and I said, you guys, I'm going to have to throw you out of the house because you're behind on the rent. Oh, no, we can, we'll get it. We'll get it. Our mother's going to send us some money. Our uncle's going to send us. I said, no, you you got to pay it now or get out. But I said, I have a good proposition for you. I said, if you come to the dunes on Friday for lunch and you um, drop your pants, <laughs> we'll uh, call the rent even. And they said, oh, hell, we'll do that. Yeah, so. Got nothing come, to lose, right? Yes. Come Friday, I had the seven surfers come for lunch and we had a full house. The women just spread the word so fast that uh, there were no room for my male customers. The few they got in were with their secretaries. And Anyway, I had the seven waiters there, but so what am I going to do? I had no show, but I um, thought, well, with a crowd like this, I'll introduce the waiters and I brought them up on the stage and had them back to the audience. And, With um, no clothes on? No, they had their shorts and a tank top and slippers. They were oh. surfers. <laughs> okay. So they stood on the stage, and um, all of a sudden I thought of a question. Can any of you ladies tell me which one of these surfers has the biggest dingling? <laughs> that started it. <laughs> So one lady, she said, that one on the right, I can tell he has because the size of his feet. 
And the other one said, no, no, the one on the left by the size of his nose and his ears. If they had, and that it started off, it was hysterical. Everybody was having such a good time telling me yeah. which one had the biggest dingling. So funny. finally, Wait, tell <laughs> yes? It, describe these these uh, seven surfer boys. Were they were they good looking? Was it a mix of ethnicity? Um, oh yes, you know. they were very very good looking. Uh, two of them were um, um, local boys. Three of them were mm-hmm. local boys, and the rest were from the mainland. So the local boys were sort of mixed uh, Hawaiian. Um, Chinese or Hawaiian, Japanese, you know, local boys. Okay. And so they're standing there now with their shorts on, and we're playing the game, which one is the biggest thing. So that lasted about 15 minutes. So then finally I said, okay, boys, drop your shorts. Uh, <laughs> so they dropped their shorts, and the oh, crowd wow. just went wild. Yes. And then I had each one turn around one at a time to applause, and the show lasted about 20 minutes because nothing was prepared. This was all spontaneous, you know. Wow. So did they serve did they serve the ladies as well as waiters? Well, so then we showed everything. I said, okay, gentlemen, you can uh, leave now. So they just... Can we go like? Can we go like this? Yeah, you don't have to put your shorts on. So they left their shorts on the stage and they walked out, and they start helping the waitresses because we were so busy, and I had mm-hmm. topless waitresses, and you know the women don't want topless waitresses. Right. So the boys were happy helping the topless waitresses, and finally you'd hear a lady over there on the right saying. Honey, I don't want you. I want that waiter. Give me that naked waiter over there. Tell him to come over here. Another one holler. I want a naked waiter. And I thought, <laughs> my goodness, naked waiters, that's the new gimmick. And so yeah. from then on, I had naked waiters at the dunes for lunch. <laughs> and well, five years, that the exactly. show lasted five Yes. Five years, yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, from a from a female point of view, is that normally if it was the woman who was asked to undress to, you know, serve the clients, it would be a very sexist, ex- exploitive type of a situation, which would be critiqued by, you know, a lot of feminists. So when men are doing this, nobody saw it as a form of exploitation, did they? No, no one. <laughs> and yeah. So that was on a Friday, so we don't have lunch Saturday and Sunday. But all the women said, are you going to have these waiters on Monday? And I said, yeah. So they start making reservations. My book filled up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Everybody was making reservations. And I hired my surfers. So every day they would drive in from Haleiwa and they would they were not experienced waiters. They were surfers. Right. And so we had naked waiters, and then the publicity was just fabulous. The newspapers and television and everybody got was a hold it legal? of it. Was, was it legal to have naked waiters at the time? 
Well, they never had. How could you say it was illegal? <laughs> ah, we never. And uh, there was no law on the books about nudity. Huh. You had striptease. Okay. You had topless girls, and you had strippers. That was legal. And yeah. so, um, so the naked waiters. We, um, but the liquor commission soon. But I would say within six months. Uh, they tried to um, close it, so they made rules for us. And yeah. one rule was uh, naked performers had to be 18 inches off the floor. Well, I couldn't put a, a platform 18 inches on every aisle, uh, so the waiters would be 18 inches off the floor. So I put it behind the a uh, buffet table, a uh, platform 18 inches off. And so I put a couple of waiters back there with their ding-dings hanging right in the salad bowl. <laughs> they were eight, 18 inches up off the floor. That was a big hit. And so then, they were just uh, like little self sculptures, like models, uh, to be gawked at when they went to um, get some more shrimp from the buffet table. Correct. <laughs> and so then they... <laughs> The Liquor Commission didn't like that, so they got the Board of Health uh, to come down on me saying that the waiters had to wear a hairnet. And oh. so I had a jockstrap type thing made with a hairnet, and each waiter wore <laughs> a hairnet. <Wait. laughs> and oh. that was funny, and that made more publicity. <laughs> Wait. So, I mean, I guess it's a blurry line between them being a server and a and a and an entertainer, right? They they did both. Um, right. But they did both. Were they, they become? Were they, they allowed became, to be They became entertainers. Yeah, full but time. Jack, that was their job. They were making good money. Did they ask not to be touched? Were were there rules like you were not allowed to touch them? No. Um, they would teach you. Uh, as they serve your lunch or your drinks, they would say, do you know how to tip a naked waiter? And you'd say, no, I don't. They'd say, well, they'll take your $5 bill or your dollar bill off the table, and they rolled it up real thin, and they turned it into a circle and hook it together and hand it to you, and they say, you slipped this on. Oh, my. <laughs> Oh, and that, I'm sure and that, that tipping became very popular. And then the other thing in the show, we did a show then. I had a couple of weeks to put together a show. So I got a good female comedian who uh, could entertain the women and bring the boys up and, you know, really do a nice show. And so then it became, what do you say to a naked waiter? And we did a full-on show. So what type of women were these that came to the shows? And, you know, you said it spread like wildfire, so... Oh, yes. Uh, it started out with office girls. And, you know, the mm. girls, very, very seldom did we have a table of two or four. We always had tables of ten, tables of eight, tables of twenty. They would come in groups, you know. 
Oh, because it's fun in a group, right? Yeah, the the nurses from Straub, the (laughs) nurses from Queens, secretaries from all the attorneys, buildings downtown, um, housekeepers from the hotels in Waikiki. (laughs) So they wouldn't just come one or two at a time. And then it spread on to the housewives, housewives Mm -hmm. from the country clubs, uh, the um, Lai Country Club, oh. all, all those women would come, yes. They, they'd come and put their bridge game down for a day and come have lunch at the dunes. Well, you know, it goes to show that sex sells, and it doesn't matter what class, what ethnicity, what background, what age, it's always something that's... Um, have a, a commonality, you know, something that... And something to- new. That was something new, unheard of. <laughs> mm. It was new. When, yeah. But it's also, you know, it's sex, and, and sex sells. So yeah. you... Yeah. I mean, you know how people are so critical of exploitation today. Um, yeah. Back then, we think people had a very different idea of, of how we celebrate the body. Well, um, it was you different. Were you married at the time? Was I married? Yeah. Yes, I, I've been married for 60 years. <laughs> this so was my second wife. So what did your wife, wife think about this business? She had never been to the dunes for lunch. She refused to come. She was a very Catholic lady, and uh, it was just against her. Um, She didn't mind my doing it, and she knew that everything was on the up and up because her sister was my uh, bookkeeper. My uh, Uh, she kept uh, tabs on you. Yeah, she kept tabs on me. (laughs) Butch Butch Williams. He was oh. the number one star. Um, his endowment was huge. <laughs> and oh, most, of, most of the women never saw anything that big, and so he was the star. So do they get paid by the size of their their? Well, food? yeah, I mean, he, he was a star. They said he was selling 100 pictures a day at a dollar a picture. So he would have a hundred dollars cash in his pocket every day. Besides the salary I was paying, I think right. his salary was about two fifty a week. That was pretty good money in the seventies. What would that be today? Oh, today he'd probably want a thousand dollars a week for what he was doing. Yeah. And the waiters yeah. were making very good tips. Women, you know, have. Women have money. They spend money, and they have money, and when they come out there, they have a purse full of money. So the waiters <laughs> would take whatever they could get, and they get good money. Uh, one of the main attractions of the show was we used the song, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around That Old Oak Tree. And okay. so when the women come in, there was a $3 cover charge. So you just didn't have lunch. You had to pay a cover charge for the show. So the girl at the front desk, when you came in, she tied a yellow ribbon around your little finger. And so you'd say, what's this for? And she'd say, that's so we know that you paid your 
entrance fee. Well, in the show, he would do tie yellow ribbon, he would do his dance number, and then he would ask the ladies, is there anyone in the audience that would like to come up and tie your yellow ribbon? And so they would line up, and that would take another 30 minutes of the show. They'd line up to tie the ribbon around his oak tree. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I thought was very interesting, um, I sold the show to Los Angeles, and the producer there did it, and he made some money. So uh, he opened one in San Francisco. In uh, Los Angeles, he got some beautiful weightlifters and some real good-looking men. Well, San Mm. Francisco, um, he advertised for waiters because I couldn't give him mine. I had to keep mine here. And he got mostly uh, gay men. um, Of course. And the the gay men just didn't make it. The show lasted about three weeks, and the women would come once, and they wouldn't come back because they knew there were no men there, real men. They wanted real men, you know. And so the show show in San Francisco was a big flop for that reason. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, I would have thought that these gay men would put on a really good show, but then because of that fact, it was a turnoff for these women. That yeah. it wasn't about just the spectacle of it. They wanted like uh, a real man. If, if that's what it was. That's right. They wanted, and most of them, a lot of the single women were dating the waiters. You know, they'd invite them to dinner. And, oh. Yeah, and we had a questionnaire. Uh, not at the beginning, but after months. When I saw I had a winner, it was one of the biggest money makers I ever had was the Naked Waiters. So I put up a questionnaire on the table. So like if you came in with three other ladies and you sat down, you'd see this questionnaire on the table. It was called the Dunes Sex Survey. And the questions were, very personal questions like, do you masturbate? Do you prefer your man with a small, medium, or large? Um, Very personal questions. Can you tell me the time your legs really quivered? And the women would laugh and fill out these questionnaires on the table. Well, you know, think about it. Maybe oftentimes a lot of women don't get the attention or to get to really explore and express how they feel about um, their bodies. And so, in a way, it was quite liberating. So that was great, you know, in that sense. Some women would write into great detail about their high school sex experience. Mm. (laughs) They've never had any. (laughs) How many women never had any? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's very therapeutic to have a chance to think about and 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 voice that that memory, I guess, right? Yeah. For anyone. Anyway, the book I. So when does that book come out? Well, it, what happened was Larry Flint just passed away. Yes. He's the uh, publisher of Hustler magazine, 
in Los Angeles. He died about three weeks ago. And he was the one who got me to write the book. We talked on the phone one day, and he said, can you write some stories about women experienced with the naked waiters? And I said, I'm writing this book. And so I hurried up and finished and sent him a copy. And he was ready to do something with it, and he passed away. So I don't yeah. haven't heard since then. That was just three weeks ago. Yeah, I got into the nightclub business by accident, you know. In uh, Phoenix, Arizona, that was my home. I had the largest dance studios in Arizona. We taught ballroom dancing, and then we taught children. And I had about 60 different teachers working for me. Studios in Tucson, Phoenix, Mesa, Scottsdale. And um, that was my business. And when uh, I remarried my second wife on my honeymoon, we came to Hawaii. And while we were in Hawaii, we had dinner one night at the Fisherman's Wharf. That was a long Kiwalo basin. That was one of the best restaurants in town. And across the street... Across the street was the place called the Forbidden City. And so after dinner, my wife and I walked over to the Forbidden City, and we went in, and the show was on, and it was a kabuki show. Now, this was in 1958. Wow. And there were about six people in the whole place. And so we sat there, and I watched the show. It was horrible, a kabuki show. Um <laughs> Beautiful girls, but um, no people, no interest. And so the Chinese man that was there came over and talked to us because he saw we were Hollies. We had to be tourists, and so we became yeah. friends talking. And I said, how can you pay the rent with no people here and ten people in your show? And he said, well, all those girls live here. They live in the club. Lady friend was running the place who was the mistress for John Wayne, the movie actor. And John Wayne had his yacht parked across the street on the side of the Fisherman's Wharf. You know that area? Yeah, yeah, of course. And so John's mistress was... Um, running the club and this Chinese man was the manager because he went to work in the daytime at the sheet metal shop in Pearl Harbor and so everybody had two or three jobs the mistress didn't need the money and he didn't need the money and so that's why the, yeah. and so talking with him he said are you in show business and I said yes yes he said, what could you do with the show? And I said, well, I could do something. I'll <laughs> think about it. Anyway, oh. my wife and I decided to stay a month in Hawaii. We rented an oh. apartment. And I went back and talked to him. And at that time, John Wayne's wife was coming to sue him for divorce because oh. she found out about the mistress. Right. And so... He wanted to have nothing to do with the club, and he sent Uh, the mistress to San Francisco, 
and he left my Chinese partner <laughs> with the oh. license and with the club. So I was in business with him. I did a show for him, and uh, it was a big success. My first show there was called Nudes on Ice. <laughs> oh, so you already got nude top topless dancers then? Well, he there, yeah, he's got these beautiful Japanese girls. They were all from Japan, didn't speak much English. But um, I had friends that had a portable ice rink, and they brought it. I invited them to do the show for two weeks, and I used the Japanese girls as models and put them in feathered costumes, and they had beautiful kimonos. I got four of them to open their kimonos and expose themselves. Topless, and they would walk around. The ice rink was about four by eight, a small little portable ice rink. And they would, the skater would come out and skate, and then the singer would come out and sing, and the girls would walk around. Beautiful showgirls. Anyway, the show was the nearest thing to a Las Vegas review. And we did. These Japanese girls previously in their show were not entertainers in that sense. They never, you know, took their tops off. So they were willing to do that for your show. Right. Oh, they were kabuki, classical Japanese dance. So how did you convince them to do a topless show after being so classical? I I talked with them and uh, told them that if they took their top, if they showed their uh, breasts, that they would make some money. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. For the mid, but, but out of all of them, you know, uh, half of them got married after the show. They all met husbands. We only have six months left on this lease, and they're going to tear the building down. The Forbidden City was on the corner of uh, Alamoana and Ward. Mm. That's where the Ward Shopping Center they built, remember? Spaghetti, yes, of course. Spaghetti, yeah. spaghetti. Spaghetti factory, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. they tore that down and they're building something else yeah. now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's where Forbidden City. So we finished the six-month lease and we made enough money to buy the Gimbasha Club, which the Gimbasha was on Kalikawa Avenue. It's now yeah. Century Center, the high-rise condominium. You were really a king of the clubs at the time, yes. weren't you? Uh, we had 12, 12 clubs. Quite a legacy, Jack. My Chinese um, partner had to quit his Pearl, Pearl Harbor job. He said, oh, I won't get retirement. I said, well, you don't need retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's not it's not every day that people can stumble onto opportunities like these to do something that's, you know, boundary yeah. breaking and uh Well and, it was and, and, it was the right time because yeah, exactly. there was no entertainment here but kabuki. Right, right. I knew it was a hot spot because of we had all the servicemen here. My God, the servicemen didn't know where to go. Right. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. So they, you fed into that whole audience. That, that's why wow. I opened a a striptease place downtown. And then 
the one thing that was missing was a black club. There was no place for black sailors and army and marines to go. So I opened so, the first black club, which was wait, catered can to you, all you the mean, You mean they weren't welcome, or they actually just didn't serve them? Like, how was it the... They weren't welcome, right. You you didn't see them anywhere. They just stayed in the barracks. Yeah, so I opened a special club just for them. And were the entertainers um, Asians or Western or... I brought um, all black entertainers from the mainland. They loved it. It was a busy, busy club. They had their own club. Yeah, Jack, it's interesting that you tapped into the racial elements. You know, I never, you know, we don't think, we don't like to think of the racism in Hawaii, but there is, in fact, you know, a quite long history of it. And the fact oh, that you yeah. recognize that even in the entertainment distri- uh, industry is, is interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, and were, you never, I thought, oh, if I bring some Japanese strippers, which I did. Well, the Japanese men came like crazy. The business was wonderful. Jack, why yeah. do you think that people like tend to like to go back? Why are they more attracted to their own kind? You know, based on your experience. Um, well, most of the Japanese men uh, wanted to see another Japanese girl. All they had was their wife. <laughs> so. Yeah. It was a, a thrill to see a new girl, but then they also wanted to see a blonde, and they wanted right. to see a black. Uh, I never had. Uh, they never saw black ladies. I did a whole show with eight black strippers, all black women, and they that did big business because they never seen a black woman naked before. <laughs> huh. So it's a fascination with like something almost you know exotic and different from their lives. Yeah, because in those days, in the seventies and eighties, the population here was mostly Japanese and Chinese. Right. That had right. that had money. You know, the the Filipinos didn't have much money. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Japanese and Chinese were the businessmen that could spend money. I want to thank you for sharing all this really, really interesting um, aspect of Hawaiian history that really most people don't know about. Um, so I hope that you get the book published some in some way and let me know, and we'll be happy to um, talk about that when it gets uh, released. Okay. I sure will and, do that. <laughs> and, Jack, I know, and I, 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 I really appreciate, again, you sharing your stories. And um, I thank you for your time. And uh, anytime you have more stories, please share them, and well, I'd be happy to share it with our well, teachers. I have, I have lots of stories. You know, being in the nightclub business, my motto at the time was see nothing, hear nothing, tell nothing. But now that I'm going to be 94 next year, in March, I'll be 94 years old. <laughs> wow. So, Wow. I, I can I can tell a few stories now. <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna hold you to it. So open up, Jack. And again, congratulations on on those many years of accomplishment and uh, keep it going strong. Okay. Thank you so much.